We sat down with both of our agents to have a conversation about some common questions that all artists seem to have when looking for representation. The conversation ended up being pretty long, so we've split it into two episodes. So here's part one. Tune in on February 28th for part two. We hope you like it. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to Photodub. This is a podcast by and for working photographers with Ren and Jen. This is very exciting. We have our agents on this episode today. We have Robin, who's my agent and owns Holland Artists. Hi, everybody. And we have Lauren Wax, who is a part of the apostrophe team. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Everyone has been asking us to have agents on, so... This is going to be great. We'll do our best not to disappoint. <laughs> Hopefully it's insightful and <laughs> don't sound like idiots. <laughs> no. Well, we can start with with just some, how did you become an agent? What was your journey to get here? Were you doing anything prior to being an agent? How did you find out? Like, how did you even hear about that agents exist? Because a lot of people don't even know when they're in school. Obviously, you can't major in being an agent. So just like anything about your journey to get here. I can go. This is Robin. Yes, I wish in school I knew that this was a career path. Um, I actually started as a student of photography. So that was my kind of initial jump into the industry was as an artist. And I kind of realized that art school sort of felt like I was going to be selling my art on the side of the street. And that was like the only option to make money, I think. Any listener who's an artist maybe had that point in time, especially if you went to art school. Um, so I started trying to figure out kind of another career path. And um, I cold emailed someone at uh, V Magazine. That was like my white whale. That's where I wanted to work. And they wrote me back right away. And so then that one response to an email just lit a fire under me and I knew that I could pursue editorial. So I started interning like two weeks later while I was still in college in New York at Seventeen Magazine. And I kind of hopped around different magazines and sort of quickly learned that that industry wasn't totally for me. Uh, I was at Maxim when it switched management. I was at Lucky Magazine when it folded. And so I was kind of looking for the next thing after that. And just sort of happened into artist representation. I saw, you know, a job posting for an entry level position and was like, check, these are all the things I like to do and has a little bit of the business and the creative and never really looked back. So I, that's how I got started. It's funny, you and Lauren kind of have similar. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think editorial is, is frequently a path into this industry, but I studied journalism and specifically magazine design. I wanted to be a designer and an art director in magazines is what I wanted to do since I was like in middle school for whatever reason. And then graduated, came to New York. 17, I think, was actually one of the first places I landed to. Yes. So we should cross check those years and see if we were there at the same time. I know so many people that started at Seventeen Magazine because they just had the best internship program. Yeah, my my first um, kind of full time job was with InStyle, and then I was at many different magazines. But similar to you, you know, staff started getting cut, and you know, management was changing, and it felt like 
I was the last man standing at a lot of the magazines <laughs> that I was at. And I realized that this wasn't going to be a lifetime career. It wasn't going to you know, provide me the security that I needed to eventually, you know, have a family and, and be, um, you know, confident in my, my income. So I had a friend that started a small agency here in LA and she was looking for an agent and she said, let's give this a try. So I moved to LA about five years ago and started working as an agent. And I was there for about two and a half years. And then apostrophe found me and the rest is history. I've been with Apostrophe now for uh, three and a half years, and I'm now the director of their photo and motion division. And I think it's honestly a pretty seamless transition because I was hiring you know, commercial photographers for years. So I knew what it was like to work with agents. I knew a little bit about pricing. You know, I just I had had that behind the scenes view of it. And now I get to be on the other side and I don't have to have all the pressure of being and designing on a deadline anymore. I just get to help other people be creative. That's amazing. And Robin, you started at an agency working under someone and then you decided to branch off and do your own thing. Yeah, I worked for the, so the same agent that I said I took that entry level position with. I worked with her for five years in New York and it was also a very boutique agency. I think that's the a great way to start as an agent because you learn soup to nuts, kind of anything and everything when it's a smaller group of people. And so that job opportunity was really just historically the two of us um, with 10 to 12 artists. So we were like doing everything, a little bit of everything. Yeah. You do the payroll, you do the, yes. the designing of the website treatments. Yeah. I mean, you really wear a lot of hats. I'm happy to not have to do all of that anymore, but it was an amazing learning experience. Yeah. So that kind of primed me like Ren was just prompting that um, I started my own business, uh, I guess, two years ago now. So I have a boutique roster of five artists here in LA. Four photographers and one prop stylist. I think too, maybe we talk about apostrophe a little bit, the differences between, you know, how many artists um, Robin has versus apostrophe and the team. You know, we like to, we like to call ourselves a boutique agency, but I think we might be stretching a little bit (laughs) beyond that these days. Um, We have 20, we have 25 employees. So we are a really large team. Um, And we started you know, the three and a half years ago when I came to Apostrophe with only 10 employees. So we've actually exploded, you know, in the last couple of years, just, um, you know, in our support staff, a lot of that is billing and accounting and production and, you know, all the behind the scenes things that really make an agency super, um, you know, hands-on and really able just to provide a super well-rounded experience for our artists. And, we have 22 directors and photographers, I think. So much bigger than yours, Robin. But because we have five full-time agents, it's actually, you know, kind of the same ratio of, of artists to agents. So yeah. super hands-on and we, you know, each have kind of that right amount that makes it so that we can always be available to our artists. And that's kind of interesting to know that ratio because uh, I feel like when I was first looking into agencies, I'm like, what is too many photographers to have? And how many agents should be on the team to kind of manage those photographers? So would you say like four to five ish per agent is the sweet spot? 
It's a good question. I've had more and I've had less and both have been fine. Same. I think it just depends on the artist. Some artists are really hands-on and need a lot of attention and are really busy and some um, you know, might be actually more on the green side and less busy and need a lot of attention to grow their careers. So somewhere around there, I think is a good amount. I mean, you look at someone um, like an art department where there's so many artists and I don't know those agents personally, but I feel like they must have their hands really full with, with how big their roster is. Yeah, I agree. It really depends on the workload of each individual artist and where they're kind of at in the career. And it goes through ebbs and flows. Everyone knows that in this industry, we have really, really busy times and slower times. And for me, I feel like with five artists, everyone's on a different cycle. There's industry standard kind of like right before the holidays is really busy. But I also find that um, between my five artists, they'll have their own busy and slow seasons. And so even if maybe, Ren, you feel like you're having a slow week, I could be slammed with another person. And it always feels that way. I feel like things come in threes, fours, fives with each individual artist. So it kind of goes up and down. <laughs> Ren, you're in a busy season. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, yeah, that's very true. And I, I also think, you know, depending on how large that staff is. Again, like I'm not managing a lot of the billing or the back end stuff, but if I was, then that would take up, you know, potentially one or two artists worth of time on my plate to just be making sure that everything's going smoothly on the back end. Right. Robin, and, and you're a team of one. So how do you manage? Like, do you have bless a, you, Robin. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have somebody you can turn to when you like if all five artists are working on bids at the same time? Like, what do you do? Well, I'm at like an interesting place in my career because, you know, we haven't had kids yet. Like this, this agency is my baby right now. So it takes all of my time. <laughs> you know, I take the weekends off. The first year of business, I didn't really, like I was hustling all the time. Uh, and so I've been working on that work-life balance. I know you guys did an episode on that. <laughs> you can have me back to talk about that more. <laughs> um, but how do I manage? I do have people that I can outsource to. You know, I rely on my trusty group of producers. I have one producer who I feel like is kind of my jack of all trades. He can help me on smaller budgets that we wouldn't normally be able to hire, you know, a larger production company on. Um, he can do project-based work for me as well. So I think part of owning my business has been figuring out what I can outsource. You know, I have sort of financial advisors come in and bookkeep for me quarterly, but the sort of daily billing I'm able to do. There's just certain things that I've implemented though to keep, you know, my workflow streamlined. Like we do primarily flat rate billing. So I'm not dealing with receipts. And, you know, I used to at the last agency that I worked with, you know, belabor over 300 page printed hard copy invoices. And I just now that it's it's my company and like I'm determining the terms of all my estimates, like that's just something that's written into my estimate. Like we do not do that unless it's an absolute requirement. So there's certain things that I've just been able to implement to kind of streamline. Um, but yeah, still still looking to build a little bit of my team. Well, it's, and it's probably hard to find because a lot of people don't know that this line of work exists it's hard like sam for example he's a producer but i know you've thought about bringing him on as part of your team and i'm sure he never thought about being you know a part of an agency in that capacity so it's like yeah. i think it's like 
convincing people that they're really good at this one part and they could be like an asset to you. I can imagine it's tough to, when it's your baby, to trust other people with the work too. I mean, apostrophe has been around for over 20 years. This is a really long, you know, period of growth. And even in the last two years, like I said, to have such a big growth period, I mean, I think it takes time to to trust someone else to, to take on that role. Absolutely. So I know you guys have very different ways of working in, in, in different types of agencies, but is there anything that you're most proud of with who you work for or what you own? One thing that I'm really proud of that we've done in the last couple of years is the Apostrophe Mentorship Program. I know if you guys have heard about it, we mm-hmm. call it AMP. Um, you know, it started around the time of Black Lives Matter. We came together as a team and we just said, you know, what can we do that's meaningful within our skill set? And really what we can teach is the business of photography, everything from, you know, invoicing to making treatments to um, updating your website, sending PDFs, being on, um, you know, calls with clients. And that's what we can bring to the community. So we, for the last uh, couple of years, have done three installments with BIPOC photographers that are, you know, coming up in the industry and we've taught them everything we know about the business of photography. And these artists have gone on to get signed by other reps and have a lot of commercial success. So that's something that I feel like is just really unique about Apostrophe. And I've been really proud to see the the growth in the program. For anyone that's interested in being part of that program, is there an application? Like, how do you find people to be part of that program? Yes, we are doing it once or twice a year, depending on kind of just our workload. And we announce it on social media, on our website. We usually put out a newsletter. I think last session we had like close to 200 applications and we're only accepting 10 people. But Uh, just finished our last one. We'll be doing it again next year in the spring. So you can look out for the application next year. Yeah. And we'll link to the current artist um, for everyone to see the magazine that you guys put together. It's so beautiful. And I mean, there's so many, so talented artists. Um, That's really awesome to see. Yeah. You know, there's just so many talented people that don't get the the attention they deserve. And so we just want to put that spotlight on, on these artists. Yeah. I've really admired that work that you guys have done as well. Um, and I think apostrophe in my mind, is just an industry leader in so many ways, you know, um, with the AMA organization as well, just all these resources that you guys put out there. And that's, you know, also a testament of like the bandwidth and the employees. Like, I feel like you guys have really stacked a team to, be a resource to others, including other agents. So yeah, it allows us to, to have that opportunity. We try, you know, community is one of our pillars. It's all about just building a, a better community for all of us. For um, people who are listening, Lauren, do you want to kind of talk about AMA? I mean, a little bit. I know it's not really apostrophe, but yeah, I mean, the the AMA is Artist Management Association. Kelly Montez, the owner of Apostrophe, was the president. They just had another round of elections and she has stepped down, but she um, and a bunch of other rep owners came together to try to create this management association that, um, you know, champions artists and artist associations and creates some, I don't want to say rules, but guidelines, just some 
some yeah some guidelines it's it's not a union but it, it kind of has that same function and that we're fighting for guidelines that are good for our industry and it's a resource for people to go to to read about um, different kinds of usages and um, you know there's a universal bid form that helps to give to something to clients to say like these are the sort of things you should be expecting when you're bidding on something it's really just a resource for artists and clients to go to to have a better understanding of the photography industry yeah I think um, this industry is a giant gray space there's so much is left up to interpretation and that's because you know we're not unionized there's no sort of standard rates I know everyone who's listening to this show right now like wants us to list off what they should be charging and <laughs> yes <laughs> what what's a standard you know usage what should we not give away like and it's so hard to always tell those people that there is no standard so I think in a giant gray space you guys are building a little bit of a a palette a color palette that we can kind of paint with um and I think it it helps everyone for us to have these standards because then our clients are sort of seeing the same thing over and over again. And it's just reinforcing, you know, client education and things like that, that are super important for us all to keep thriving in this industry because it's constantly changing. Yeah, that's actually why, I mean, like Robin is saying, it's impossible to have a set rate, but it is a reason why I do like talking about rates is because I feel like if there's at least kind of a general starting point then that really helps the industry as a whole because, I mean, people underbid all the time and it affects everyone. Yeah, I think a lot of that, you know, with usage too, just starts with a, a mutual understanding. I think a lot of usage terms can be interpreted in different ways and that's really dangerous. So I highly recommend for photographers to go on the AMA website and look up their glossary of usage terms. It's super important. I reference it. Yeah, I use it. I use it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's always new terms coming out that I'm like, what is that? <laughs> Robin, tell us about um, your most proud of proud moments from your agency. Oh, I I would be really proud if everyone that we work with, collaborators, clients, producers, like walk away from the experience saying that we're kind people. That's what makes me really proud. Um, I think I've spent a lot of a lot of times sort of curating the group in a way that's much more about our temperament. Um, obviously, everyone has a really amazing artistic point of view, but I just think we're hopefully industry leaders in compassion, problem solving. That's what I'm really, really proud of is that we're just a little family and you guys all lift each other up in such a beautiful way. Yeah. Well, you put together, yeah, you put together a good group of ladies. Yeah. I know that's kind of abstract, but yeah, just really proud of people come away saying that we're we're nice people. And I think they do. Yeah. Mean people aren't fun. <laughs> no, there's too many talented artists to work with, people with ego and bad temperament. Um, but yeah, also just really proud of our growth through the pandemic. I mean, I started the company in technically in like July 2020 is when I started reaching out to artists and that was kind of in the thick of the pandemic and I don't know. All of you guys were really primed for change and eager for someone like me who was starting from the ground up to kind of figure out what's next in the industry. And so yeah, proud that we put this together in a matter of like six months during the early pandemic. 
That's amazing. And actually leads right into the next question (laughs) that everyone wants to know. Yes. I think everyone wants to know on a basic level, how you source your talent, what you look for in talent. Is it quality of work? Is it a client list that they might already have? Is it a mix of someone who's really experienced versus someone who might be greener that you could kind of mold and grow with? How do you find them? It's like a very big question. It's like, yeah, everyone (laughs) wants to know basically how to get in front of you and how to get on somebody's roster. Yeah. Um, What's this? What's the magic? What's the secret? (laughs) Do I need to make $100,000 by myself and then you'll hire me or? I don't think there there isn't a magic answer to this, but um, I'd love to use you as an example, Jennifer. We uh, first were connected in 2019. If my memory serves me correct, I believe you sent me a newsletter and that was my first introduction to your work. And I responded and, you know, just said that I'd love to chat more. And we met up in person. We had a great conversation. You brought this beautiful mailer that I know you've shown a few times in some of your podcast Instagram posts. I still have it somewhere in this office. And I just really enjoyed our conversation. And we continued to talk for a couple of years before I signed you. We worked together off roster on a few projects and just kind of got a feel for each other and how we communicate and how you work on set and all of those things that are really important in a partnership. So you know, people are wondering, is it cold emails? Is it calls? I mean, there's really no right way to do it. But I would say the majority of people that I'm finding new work from is from a newsletter or an email. And I may not see it the first time, but you can keep following up. I think that people are worried that that's annoying, but send an email with you know, new work and continue to update me on new projects and new clients and tell me why you think you're a good fit for apostrophe or what you like about apostrophe. I think it's just really important to make it personal. A lot of the reach outs that I get, you can feel that they're going out to a million people. And of course they are, that's fine, but you can spend a little (laughs) bit of time making it seem like you actually really want to be specifically with apostrophe. I think that's uh, you know, step one in in the cold email guidelines that I would give. Oh, so newsletters work. Yes. Yes. Newsletters do work. And I, we had a client actually on a call for our mentorship program, and they said the same thing that you can keep sending them. Even if we don't respond, it doesn't mean that we're not seeing them. So actually just, mm-hmm. you know, keep following up and keeping us updated on new work. And I would say for photographers who maybe never even reached out to a rep before, but they're thinking about it, you probably have more experience with this concept than you think, because it's a lot like dating. Um, It has to be a coming together of so many things, in my opinion, like it's not just beautiful portfolio. It's got to be like good timing. You guys have to want the same things, same goals. So it's very much like a romantic relationship, I think. Yeah. And it's also, it's a feeling. I mean, it is like, you know, in everything in life, I think that I try to follow my gut a lot. And of course it's a, for me, it's a team decision. There's not just one of us, but you know, it sounds cliche, but I do think a lot of the initial draw to an artist is, is a gut feeling. And it's the uh, feeling that you get when you have a conversation with that person. This is someone you're going to be spending the next five, 10, 15 years with, and you really have to have that connection together. 
and it's a mutual thing. You know, I think um, I'd like to put the power back in the artist's hands a little bit. Like, I think so many people are hung up on how do I get an agent? Um, and you hold the power too, and it needs to be something that feels really great on your end and be well-researched. I always say to talk to as many agents as you can, because we're all really different and we all have different approaches and different, you know, we were already starting this podcast with the differences between our agencies. And so there's a lot to consider kind of all around. And it's not just me making the decision, not just Lauren making the decision. It needs to be a mutual, mutually beneficial relationship. It seems obvious that it's not just an instant, like you're not just going to email an agent and then they're going to be like, yes, we we are in need right now. Like you still have to develop a relationship and and ideally have some sort of like work between the two to share and see how you work together. Because it is, it's like once you sign that contract, of course, like any contract could end, but you are in it for at least a year, like you should give it at least a year, if not more. Um, so it's it's a commitment that everyone has to take very seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there are a few artists that we have signed kind of right off the bat that have, um, you know, a big following and a, a big career and have, um, you know, a lot of experience with having an agent. But the majority of our artists we work with off roster for a good chunk of time just to see how our clients react to having them on our roster and how, um, you know, their clients react to us. It's, it's like you said, it's a mutual partnership. So we have to see that both of our clients can support each other. Yeah. And you're only a free agent once, um, the artist I'm talking about, like you only have never had an art, uh, an artist agent one time in your career. And so that first agent that you sign with is super, super important that that's well-researched. Like, don't just go to the first person who wants you. Um, because like I said, you, you don't want to bounce around. You want to find something that's long lasting. There's no shame in temp repping for a long time with several different people. Um, it's what Lauren said makes a lot of sense for people who are jumping from another roster. So you can't necessarily do years of temp repping in that case because um, there's severance involved and other things. For the most of the artists that you worked with initially, when temp repping comes along, is it they're bringing the work to you or are you offering projects to them like maybe after your artists don't want them and they get some extras or is it like maybe a lower budget or like how does that work? For me, um, I tend to get inquiries sometimes that, like, for example, maybe that's sort of a fashion opportunity or something like that. And I don't currently have, you know, the look and feel that they're going for on my roster of signed artists. That's something that I kind of tend to keep people that I've had intro calls with in mind and can bring them that opportunity. So it's, it's not that my artists have passed on the job. It's usually a scenario where a production company or, or a client is coming to me and just saying, do you have anyone to kind of put up for this job? So it's not a job that has necessarily been passed on by my artists um, that I then, you know, farm out to people I'm temp repping with. It's usually because there's a specific look and feel that this client is getting in touch about. And it's more about my relationship with that, 
you know, trusted production company or brand, and they're just wondering if I have someone to, to put in the mix. And instead of maybe stretching the opportunity to, to one of my artists where maybe the creative is just like not that spot on, it's more like, oh, I have, you know, an idea of someone else that I've had an intro call with who would be really good for this. So that's that's how I kind of do it. It does mean that like it can take a while for an opportunity like that to come about for the right person. So it's not like I'm extending these temp rep opportunities every day. It's sort of when the right thing comes up, hope that I think of you type thing. Say someone receives an inquiry and they're like, I really want an agent to help me with this. I'm sure you get some of those types of inquiries as well. Is there a specific ballpark for the type of budget that you guys would actually take on where it's worthwhile? Basically, I think like a lot of the questions that we got is like, I have this inquiry, but I don't know if what kind of budget an agent would actually consider to help with. I think it's a hard thing to put a number on, but this also goes two ways. They have to be willing to give up a percentage of the budget. So it needs to be a job that's big enough for them that they're willing to give up a percentage. Um, and it also just depends on you know, how busy I am at that given time, whether it's a client that I've been wanting to get in with and create a relationship with, whether I find that it's creative, that's really inspiring. So there's a lot of things that go into that uh, question, but I, I definitely think it's, you know, hovering somewhere around making a few grand off of it uh, a day. And hopefully it's a multi-day project. So that makes it worth it for the artist. Otherwise, they probably don't need my help that much. Because in that case, they could just reach out to a producer to have them help put together a production cost and just run with it on their own. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I would hate to put a number on it because I feel like we get a lot of opportunities that are you know, going to be produced in-house. So we're not really controlling the, the whole production budget, um, but it, those can still be good opportunities to bring an agent on because sometimes the contracts are confusing. Sometimes in-house production can be a little spotty <laughs> and you need someone to kind of help you see that through. So even though it feels like, oh, this is a, an easier opportunity because because they're handling the production. Sometimes those are the hardest. I think, Ren, you might agree. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, I have people bring me projects where I'm like, I honestly don't think it makes sense for you to give a percentage, but I'm still willing to give you some advice. Like, I would rather you sign a good contract and make good decisions that help the rest of us than do something that ends up, you know, affecting everybody else's contracts with that same client. So I'm often willing just to give some you know, kind of pro bono advice without having to necessarily be the rep on the project. Totally. I think if if it's an, uh, a relationship I'm interested in pursuing, I rarely say no. But sometimes there's a conversation of, do we really think this is the right opportunity or you really need that extra help? So sometimes we have that kind of conversation, but um, I rarely say no unless I need to be really honest with my bandwidth at the moment, which you know, I've done, like, I think for this holiday season, I've closed my books for temp prepping. So it could just be a matter of, of timing, just hoping to take a couple of days off this year. <laughs> that is important to do. Well, following up on that, I know we talked about temp prepping, when you're considering actually partnering formally with an artist, 
should they be making a certain amount of ink? Like, when is it mutually beneficial to both of you to consider an artist? Or do you do you not consider how much income they're bringing in? Or do you consider just like their art? Are you interested in growing in that way? I know it's not like a one answer <laughs> thing, but is there like a general ballpark? Because a lot of people are like, I don't know when I'm ready for an agent. And I know that's a very personal thing. Yes. I, I know everybody wants us to put numbers on things, but the way that I always talk about it is do a little bit of a uh, deep dive into your expenses and your current income and decide whether you would be able to give up 30% of that. Yes, eventually we're hopefully growing your career so much that that number doesn't matter anymore, but the first year or two could be really challenging and you're giving up 30% of your income. So are you at a place where you can actually financially afford that? Um, and if the answer is yes, then it might be time to talk to a rep. And then for us, of course, it's about making money, but there's so much more that goes into it that that's just a, you know, a smaller piece of, of the puzzle. I mean, we have to, of course, make it um, you know, a financially viable decision for us. But sometimes that conversation doesn't happen until a few years in when we realize, like, are they making enough money to you know, sustain them on this on this roster? And are they making enough money that it makes sense for them to have an agent? And I, I do feel like there's a misconception out there that if you sign with an agent, they're just going to be bringing in work for you. And you're just that's going to be what sets your career and you're going to start making all this money. And I and I feel like that's really not the case, especially for the first year. I think it just takes so much time for an artist to feel embedded within an agency that it really I mean sometimes it's just like instant and it clicks Robin I feel like you and I clicked <laughs> right away <laughs> good but I did have like a previous agent where it took a, it took a really 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 long time to start bringing in work that we, her and I were both like okay we're working on jobs together so I think there is a misconception that signing with an agent is just going to like launch a career and launch a certain amount of income. Would you agree? Yes, it's a, <laughs> it's a partnership. So we, you know, both are spending that first year or two just getting your name out to everybody in our client Rolodex and it could be a year before there's an actual project that makes sense for your style. You know, it's a, it takes time for people to know who you are and to remember that you're on, on this roster. Yeah, you have to think about it much more as a long-term investment, which is why you you know you want to find someone up front that you feel like you can stick it out with. And as far as being ready, I kind of always talk about it because people get hung up on the numbers, like Lauren said. But think about it as your sort of smaller repeat clients um, who maybe have a lower day rate budget. Like, are you at a point where you're financially stable without those clients? And it's not like we can't take those clients on once you sign with us, but those are usually the clients that kind of fall away because they're not open to a, they're not open to a, a rate increase. You know, we're going to try to nudge those day rates up a little bit. We're going to try to put boundaries in place, um, you know, create contracts with existing clients that are better for you and there just is inevitably some fallout, I think, with those sort of house accounts, um, bread and butter type clients that are repeat clients. And I think if you're an artist that's still surviving on those 
clients rather than the ones here and there that are bigger paychecks, then you're probably not yet financially ready. What are some realistic and unrealistic expectations of working with the artist for the first year? Like what should they expect? Well, like Ren said, I think a lot of times people come on and they believe that their work is done now. And that is very much not the case. In a lot of ways, your work is just beginning, especially from a promotional standpoint. Just because we are now going to, you know, have our promotional machine behind us doesn't mean that you have to, you know, get to stop promoting. So it's working together as a team to figure out, you know, how to promote together in a way that works for both of us. And also just thinking that, you know, you're going to start making all this money right away. Like we said, it's just it takes time for our clients to know who you are and to get the right project to bring you on for. Going off of like for that first year, is there any sort of expectation on your ends or expectations that you felt from artists about who should be bringing in work? Because I have an opinion on that, obviously, like. I know now that it's totally a joint effort. We should both be bringing in work and we're both hustling to get that work. But do you come across any sort of expectation with that? I don't have an expectation as to like what that ratio looks like. I think that's something that you kind of, I think like Lauren was saying, a year, two years in, you kind of maybe need to go through a point where you reevaluate that again. I feel like expectations you should sort of leave away from maybe the first year because you are kind of attracting a new client base when you sign when you sign with an agency um those sort of smaller house accounts maybe are the ones that are falling away and you guys are finding the more mutually beneficial clients that are higher rates higher production value you're like really leveling up to a certain client base i think that's the main benefit of signing with an agency it's it's not that we're getting you more days booked it's that we're increasing the quality of these bookings um, and hopefully making them a better experience for everyone involved, you know, higher production value, better communication, better contracts, more favorable terms, maybe usage renewal type opportunities where two, three years down the line, you're getting paid in dividends for things that we negotiated in your first year. So maybe I think artists sometimes look at their calendar and their self-worth is tied to how many days they have booked in the calendar. And it's like, I would be really proud if maybe you're working fewer days, but at a higher day rate. Isn't yeah. that the dream? That's the dream. That's a dream. <laughs> I'll take that dream. <laughs> well, and you're also, you know, especially if you're, this is your first rep and you're, you know, relatively green, new to the industry, you're learning a lot in other ways too. Maybe you've never done a treatment before. Maybe you've never been on a creative call. You've never had a production company behind you. I mean, these are all things that you might learn in that first year that you couldn't have learned as easily on your own without those resources behind you. So it really levels you up to a different playing field where you're bidding on things that you might have never been in the you know mix for as a solo artist. 100%. I mean, for people who are listening, I dated a lot. I dated both of you guys. Um, <laughs> I dated a lot. And so, you know, Lauren is my first rep. Um, and it's true. You know, I never knew how to do a lot of the things until I started with apostrophe. So it's definitely true. What do you guys think makes an artist's successful or unsu unsuccessful relationship with them? And have you had like artists leave or let go of artists or, you know, some goss? <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know if I have any good goss. I mean, I feel like we always we always part on good terms, but one of the biggest things for me that makes a successful relationship is are you providing your rep with new work? Work that you're inspired by, you know, work that we can go out to our partners and promote you. If you think that, you know, you're slow and this is the time for you to just be vacationing and not doing any test work, then there's not going to be anything for us to promote. So doing, you know, a lot of test shoots, personal work that you're excited about and sending that to your rep is incredibly important. Yeah, I think for me, like the cornerstone of success with this agent photographer relationship is like first and foremost transparency, um, which I could like close the loop on this being like a dating situation with a partner. Like if you're not communicating about the good and the uncomfortable, then it's going to eventually become something where there's resentment or any number of things. So for me, it's all about transparency. Um, I try to like painstakingly debrief, like everything that we go through together. So every sort of creative call, Ren and I will debrief. (laughs) Fireside chats, we call them. (laughs) Yes. um, Any job not awarded, those ones are really important to debrief. Like maybe there was nothing that we could have done better, but maybe there was. And so I think not leaving those opportunities like unspoken about is really important to me because I think I've had a lot of conversations with artists who want to switch agencies for whatever reason. And I think it all boils down to a feeling of, things not being transparent and that can be financially, but also just they're not building trust in the right way about the jobs that they're working on. So I think that's, I think that's my number one. This is a little bit off topic, but this thought just popped in my head. What would you say is the ratio of jobs won versus jobs lost? Do you, is there like a, Lauren has that. (laughs) Oh, you do? We track this. Apostrophe is, is extremely analytical. We do a a year end review with each of our artists and we have graphs and charts and we, we really track it because it, it allows us to, you know, compare and contrast between the different artists and kind of see what's working, what's not. And we can look at that mixed with website traffic and it's a, it's a whole beautiful spreadsheet that we look at, but um, typically if you're working with an artist that does a lot of agency bids, you're looking at about a 30% uh, you know, win to loss ratio because you're triple bidding. But if it's an artist that works with a lot of production companies and direct to brand, then some of those artists we're seeing more like 50-50. So somewhere between you know 30 and, and 50, I think is kind of the average for our artists. Yeah. I don't, I don't have this amazing graph spreadsheet, but I <laughs> would love to nerd out about that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer, it's... are you ready for your year-end <laughs> report card? Oh, when they sent you the year-end the first time, I was like, what is this? Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> I was like, so it nervous. was a very intimidating, intimidating moment. I mean, it's I love graphs, so it was really fun to see, but also just to see... You know, I never thought about this on my own for the stuff that I get. And so to see someone had tracked all of it, I was like, oh, I mean, it looks impressive in certain places. <laughs> we love it. We're actually in the middle of, of reviewing them all right now. So it's <laughs> it's a good year, year end fun. <laughs> I, 
feel like I low-key track in the sense where I'm like, all right, I've lost like five jobs. I think I'm due for a win. <laughs> and it usually kind of like balances it out. It really depends on so many factors. I mean, you know, you might be betting on a lot of stuff that you were kind of the outlier yeah. for, and then there really never was a chance, you know, but that's that's why we like to look at it. We can put reasons for why we lost, and then we have the ability to go back and be like, oh, that was because of scheduling. That had nothing to do with their creative or, or whatnot. Can you usually tell if you're an outlier or not? I think so. The way I can tell is, especially if you're working on a triple bid, if you get very little communication from the agency producer, then they're probably not taking you very seriously. And if you get, if you get like really good treatment, that means you're top contender. If you have a lot of changes to the estimate, they want to do a treatment call, there's a lot of communication, then you're likely the the front runner. What do you ladies think when you get a creative deck and you see uh, another photographer's work like all through the deck? Do you does that make you feel like you have no chance or does that or do you just look at that as inspiration imagery and you try not to think about it? That's tricky. It happens a lot, um, especially in the food beverage world, I think, um, which Lauren and I probably both do a lot of. Um, I think it's a really competitive category in the industry, and it goes through sort of general industry trends with look and feel. And so I feel like um, I go through periods of time of seeing the same kind of people that you guys are uh, competing against sort of constantly in the deck. And so it's hard not to, <laughs> hard not to, um, you know, fixate on that. Um, especially if you, if you're an artist and you're receiving a deck and you don't see any of your pictures in the deck, that's always, a, <laughs> that's always a challenging one. Um, but I've heard even from Jennifer the other day that you get decks with my artist's imagery in it, and then we're not bidding it. So it really, you never know what's happening behind the scenes and, you know, who's making the deck and who's the decision maker. And there's plenty of times that I've been, you know, the agency recommend and then the client chooses some, someone else. So I think, especially with these larger triple bids, like it's, you'll go crazy if you try to pin down motive for every single creative mm -hmm. decision that's made throughout <laughs> the pre-bid, post-bid, everything. Yeah, there's absolutely been times where we have felt like we're the third bid and we've you know, produced an incredible treatment and a great call and come around to win the job. So you just never know. Just got to put your best foot forward, put blinders on and put your yeah. best foot forward. To me, it's always an investment in your future with that client. Even if it isn't that project, they'll remember your treatment, they'll remember your call and they'll come back for you later. Yeah. I think I said this before, but I'm always still grateful just to be considered and everyone should always feel that way because yeah, you feel like, oh, there's three other people or two other people that you're competing against, but you know, there's so many photographers out there. And so that means you are of a pool of many, you know, three of many. So yeah, I'll continue to be grateful for them until my um, percentages can <laughs> like, just dwindle away. <laughs> And especially there's also been times where we found out who has won the job or who's bidding against us. And every now and then it's a photographer that I really admire, like really look up to. And so even though I have a sinking feeling that I will not get the job, I'm also 
like very honored to be considered alongside those very talented people. So that's also it's like a sign that I'm doing the right things, even if I'm not necessarily landing the job. Yeah. And there are so many opportunities within the triple bidding process to change your standings. Sometimes I know exactly who the job's going to award to, I feel like, from the beginning, because maybe the deck is satiated with that photographer's imagery. But I've had things shift over the course of a bit. You can do an amazing creative call that sort of piques their interest, followed up by, you know, a job awarding treatment. Like, you can change your standings in a bid, and I've seen it happen. I've, you know, been awarded a job where the photographer that I was bidding wasn't even an in the initial triple bid, but I saw the brief and said, you need to bid this photographer too. And then they got the job. It's all about, I mean, I feel like the main job of an agent is connecting the right creative to the right artist. That's how you get jobs, I think, is pitching the right creative. Tune into part two on February 28th. We'll chat about how they fill their rosters, commissions, marketing, fees to consider, and industry shifts. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas on future episodes, email us at photodump.club at gmail.com. Photodump was created by Ren Fuller and Jennifer Chong. Thank you to Sam Fuller for our cover art and overall tech support. Our music was created by Daniel Smith. You can find me on Instagram at jchongstudio. And me at Ren underscore Fuller. Thanks for listening. Bye.